Welcome to episode 73 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. In December 2006, I visited Hokkaido to photograph the Red Crown Cranes and a couple of weeks ago we started a series of travelogue style episodes in which you can join me on my photographic adventures and share my experiences while viewing some of the shots in iTunes or on my website. We pick up the trail at the start of the third day and really today we're just going to look at a, a whole bunch of photos uh, from this day before we wrap up uh, with the final uh, day next week. Before we go on to the main topic today, a note that the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is currently being sponsored by top camera bag manufacturer Lowepro, over 40 years of first in camera bags. If you didn't hear the review of the bags that I use and the details of the Stealth Reporter D650AW camera bag that you can win in the photography assignment, please listen to episode 70 of this podcast. There's still plenty of time to scoop this amazing prize, and thanks again to Lowepro for your support. So, as I explained in the first episode of this travelogue, yeah, you know, the uh, December trip to Hokkaido was really, you know, I was after three types of shots. Uh, one of the cranes in the mist uh, from the Ottawa Bridge. Another was cranes in the golden early morning sunlight honking with their uh, breath visible freezing in the stark morning air. And the last one was a shot of cranes flying in the dark at the end of the day with the movement of their wings captured by a slow shutter speed. At the end of episode 72, we uh, we saw that I was now happy at getting my first few shots of this last type of image, uh, you know, just before it got totally dark on the second day. This was always going to be the easiest shot to get, though. The only way it would not have been possible is if there'd uh, not been no cranes at all, and the sanctuary, uh, you know, really just didn't really make that very likely at all. The other two type of shots, though, were going to require certain weather conditions. It needs to be minus 15 degrees Celsius or 5 degrees Fahrenheit before you get the mist on the river. It also needs to be pretty cold before the breath of the birds freezes, and so far it had not gotten that cold. Also, when I visited the Ottawa Bridge on the first day, there had been no cranes, and apparently uh, you know, they only roost there on the river when it's uh, really cold. Uh, only flying to the sanctuary some three miles or so away after the morning sun has warmed them up a little bit. However, on the warm days, uh, they roost in other locations and go to the sanctuary very early. Uh, it was, uh, I think, only a, a few de degrees below freezing when I turned up there at 6am on the morning of the third day. And about 50 minutes before sunup is when I got there, uh, but there was no mist and... Um, now, there were a few birds, but not many, and it was really pretty uneventful, so I packed up quickly and drove to the sanctuary, paying attention to a few other locations where the birds might be, but there was none around. So, as, the pre as with the previous day, uh, I went to the sanctuary for an hour or so before going back to the hotel for breakfast. Not cold enough to freeze the bird's breath, uh, I continued shooting anything that I thought might work out. I'd been there for a while when I shot image number 1225. 
This is one of the sort of shots that I mentioned last week um, where the bird doesn't really have to be doing anything to still play its part in the shot. It was snowing a fine light snow and this crane was just standing there on one leg bearing the cold and surveying its domain. With the 600mm lens I could frame the bird in the bottom right and still get lots of uh, that tree in uh, that adds a, a nice element to the shot of the sanctuary. I thought about grabbing the 100-400mm to lens and composing this a little wider to get more of the tree in but I didn't think it was necessary. This way I get to frame the shot with roughly the same amount of space from both uh, either, either side of the tree and the crane you know, to the edge of the shot. The slowest shutter speed of 1 80th of a second allowed for some movement in the snow to register making it more prominent um, so you, we can kind of feel the cold and bleakness of the scene. There were a few blades of grass from where I was standing uh, for this pre-breakfast session on this particular day. Uh, now they've kind of stuck into the bottom of the frame. Uh, because they were quite close and I was shooting at f5.6, giving me a very sh shallow depth of field, they appear just like shadows and not really that annoying, but I think I'll possibly remove these at some point, uh, you know, just to clean the shot up a little bit. I'm not too bothered about cloning out uh, something like this these days. Um, no, no um, a lot less than I used to be, as long as it doesn't really uh, interfere with the main subject or the overall feel of the shot. One other thing to note about this is that there had been uh, other birds walking across the foreground before, uh, it, you know, while I was waiting to, um, to to get this actual capture and. Now, they were walking there between the crane and the tree and I, I had to wait a while before they moved out of the shot so that I could capture this one. I recall hoping that the bird hit, uh, that we see here didn't move as, we as well as the others uh, as they made their way to the edge of the frame. After breakfast I was back at the edge of the sanctuary, this time halfway up the slope so that I was looking down onto the upper field a little bit higher than um, I was let yesterday when I, when I spent my whole day at the bottom, almost at the bottom of the slope. Um, I had my lunch and bottle of juice and uh, had some solid fuel hand warmers in my pockets keeping both my legs and my batteries warm and I had some feet warmers in my shoes uh, that last about 12 hours. They've been in there since before, you know, since the uh, I left and got to the, the bridge at 6am. In normal conditions they last about 12 hours it says but they, they, I sent to, they, they go cold or they, you know, they stop warming your feet after about eight hours in these cold conditions when you're sort of standing on snow all day. So there I was again set for the day. Uh, after I'd been there for a while steadily shooting I captured image number 1226 in which we can see a pair of cranes walking across the grass honking in unison. It's still snowing slightly but unfortunately not settling. Uh, you can see from this photograph that there's been uh, gradually more and more grass showing each day. The warm spell that we were having was uh, really changing the landscape from pure white uh, to you know, that that I'd been hoping for uh, to something different, but not necessarily all that bad. I'd definitely have preferred a pure white uh, environment, but I, you know, I think we always have to try and make the, the most of what we, what we are served up. As you can see, there's no frozen breath, uh, just a, a pleasant walk of a faithful couple. Unlike the last shot, it uh, had now brightened up considerably. I was back to shooting at uh, 1 400th of a second at f5.6 ISO 100. In image number 1227, we can see another example of a shot where uh, the birds aren't so large in the composition. 
This one too, I waited quite some time for. Um, I remember actually getting finger ache because I kept the shutter button on the 1DS half pressed while waiting for the right moment. Uh, these birds were dancing around for some time and I'd also had to wait for some other birds to get out of the shot. I really wanted to get them there in the bottom left and I'd uh, positioned the slope uh, of the hill to intersect with the corner of the frame. That also gave me a white background for the birds' legs, which uh, helps because their legs are black. Uh, had I shot this with the birds a little higher up the hill, their legs would have been uh, somewhat lost against the, back, the dark background of the trees. So this was really uh, the perfect spot for the birds uh, for this particular image. At this point in time, the bird on the left bowed down, and you know the wings and the tail cocked up and the neck arched. And the bird to the right was responding with a um, a wing display and some fancy footwork and some honking. This is one of my favourites from the trip because it all came together as I'd hoped. Of course, I would have preferred more snow coverage. It would have uh, been topped off uh, with a little mist and maybe some light snowfall. Uh, but under the conditions, I'm happy with this. Uh, it was shot at 1 400th of a second at f5.6 ISO 100 again with the 600mm uh, on the 1DS. So let's take a look at another solitary crane shot, which is number 1229. Here again, we have uh, some snowfall, and the crane is captured entirely in the, you know, in the field behind it, uh, not cutting into the line of trees, but keeping the composition simple. Some patches of rust-coloured leaves on the trees in the background add like blotches of colour and interest. It was a little darker as the snow fell uh, due to the heavier cloud and the snow itself. So the shutter speed was reduced to 1 250th of a second for this capture. Uh, remember that I was shooting in manual so uh, as I, you know, I really don't like to have to worry about the background colour affecting uh, my exposure as it would have done uh, if I was in aperture priority as the birds move from the white snowy background to the dark background, it would have really sort of sent the, the meter crazy trying to brighten things up and make the birds blow out. The human eye doesn't really notice small changes in the um, light level, uh, you know, because we're always in aperture priority mode. But I generally, you know, uh, I think that you can tell when there are large-ish, well, slight uh, light changes sometimes, but usually if it gets dark enough... Um, for this kind of shutter speed chains, uh, you, know, you can usually tell. So I just tend to sort of take that as a, a prompt to check the histogram and see how I'm doing. And if, as it gets a little darker, the spike to the right, indicating how bright my whites are, uh, starts to creep over to the left a little. Um, uh, so, you know, I increase the shutter speed to bring it back uh, close to, but not touching the right shoulder of the histogram. In the next two shots, we'll watch a scene unfold that could have been disastrous, uh, but luckily uh, ended up being just uh, probably a, a humorous episode. First look at image number 1232, in which we can see two parents and a young crane landing on the plane. I just happened to be tracking these guys as they came into land, and as there was no birds in the way in the foreground, I started making a few exposures as they did so. Uh, I do this because the landing can often be worth photographing as the birds spread their wings to slow themselves down and then sort of float up a little bit before touchdown. And they're also, you know, they, they often bow down and arch their necks and then sort of uh, stretch upwards, um, you know, as though they're sort of trying to remove the tightness from their muscles from flying. 
and they do that shortly after they land as well so i often sort of try to capture this moment when it's going to be a, a relatively good shot uh, well, it seems that a, a gust of wind or something caught, uh, caused the young crane in the middle um, and the one to the right of the shot, uh, either the mum or dad, I, I don't know, but it, it caused them to bump into each other in the final approach. And in this first shot, we can see that the youngster is kind of hopping over to its right uh, to get out of the way. And the parent to the right of the, the photograph had hit the snow with its body and the left wing had sort of hit the ground and uh, the leg had sort of twisted around and folded under the bird's torso. Well, this is actually the dangerous part. Uh, it's very possible for a bird of this size uh, with such long, thin legs to actually break a leg in an accident like this. Uh, when I showed these photos to some of the photographers at the, uh, back at the Hotel Taito that night, uh, you know, the first thing that one of them said was, was the bird okay? No broken legs? So... You know, luckily, uh, the legs seemed fine. Uh, the bird just seemed a little bit embarrassed and uh, started to walk away, uh, like walking away from a burning wreck. Uh, but you know, in the next shot, uh, number 1231, we can see that the youngster had escaped the wreckage uh, with a, a, a nifty little sidestep, but the parent was now well and truly crumpled up face down in the snow. From a photographic perspective, because I'd been panning in with the birds and I was sort of uh, following through with my swing, if you like, uh, the tip of the left wing of the bird that crashed was now touching the side of the frame, which I'm a little bit disappointed in myself for, uh, but I think you can get the picture. You, you can uh, now see, though, that the other parent is sort of looking across at the accident it's easy to imagine him or her being a little bit worried for the other partner, and I'm sure that they were to some extent. I tend to personify uh, just about anything, though, um, just about everything, uh, not just animals, but inanimate objects, too. So I don't know how seriously you should, take, you should take me when I start talking about stuff like this. Anyway, no one was injured in the crash. The emergency services weren't called, and as far as I can tell, the only uh, party that came out of this badly was the insurance company because of the fraudulent claim made by the redhead in the ballet suit. Okay, stop that, it's getting silly. <laughs> so I continued to shoot through the afternoon on my third day. Uh, as I said, there's a lot of uh, other shots on my website in addition to the ones that we're looking at. But these next three shots uh, we're going to look at from this day are the three of the darker high-movement panning shots that I got in the last 30 minutes or so of the day. The first is a really wacky shot captured at 3.36pm as it started to get dark. Still at ISO 100 so that I could get a slow shutter speed uh, to capture the movement of the birds. I was now shooting at 150th of a second at 5, f5.6. Again, I was tracking a pair of cranes as they came into land, and these were heading straight for the middle of the group, uh, which many of them do. I exposed a couple of frames as they opened their wings to sort of slow themselves down before making their touchdown, and the result was image number 1236. Now, in this shot, even the heads of the birds aren't in focus, with the one on the right of the frame uh, about the least blurred part of the shot. Uh, you know, so when I first looked at this, initially I was disappointed, but it really grabbed me as an, ex an abstract image. The tones and the overall blurring of the background subjects compared to the kind of watercoloured feel of the two birds coming into land 
with the wing, uh, wings flailing, uh, you know, the feathers there ruffled and looking as though they're almost exploding. It really just appeals to me as, a, as an image. Uh, technically, probably a failure. Not for everybody. You know, not that every any, any photograph ever really is uh, going to be liked by everyone. Uh, but I just really like this myself, so I thought I'd introduce it to, to you today. The next shot, number 1239, is quite pleasing and all, almost uh, there with regards to uh, one of the types of shots that I was aiming to capture on this trip. Not a lot of movement in the wings, but a nice sharp panning shot with the background streaming away to the right uh, to some degree. Uh, as both birds seem to be at the extent of their wing movement uh, before they start to flap the wings in the opposite direction, the only real movement in the wings is the tips of the feathers. Uh, the, you know, the tips of the wings. Um, now, darker uh, than the last shot at uh, 5 minutes to 4 p.m., uh, I had raised the ISO to 400 to keep the 140th of a second, and you know, that just about is, is just about as slow as I want to go with the 600mm in these panning shots. I like this one because the wings are, of the two birds are in opposite positions, you know, one at the very top, one at the very bottom of the movement and also because of the patches of white uh, in the background that are just visible there poking through the trees. Uh, let's look at one last shot for today, number 1240, in which we can see another exodus of the birds as they take off in a large group to fly back to their roost. This one was also shot with the same settings as the last at pretty much the same time. Uh, here we have lots of movement as the birds either run or start to fly in their takeoff. I'd Watch the birds walk up the hill from the lower ground to get a better position to take off. The one that is going to start the takeoff, uh, leading the others um, you know, into the air, that stands at the front of the group, uh, facing the wind and letting out single short honks, uh, signaling that they're going to take off. And when they're sort of ready to make their move, um, what they're doing is they're really waiting uh, for the right moment when a breeze comes to sort of make taking off easier and then they'll just sort of honking and then signaling to the group and th these sort of signals really once you figure out these kind of habits uh, of your subjects it makes it easier to foresee what's going to happen and to get ready to shoot things uh, as they occur this is probably the one uh, shot in which I really like the mottled effect of the patchy snowy um, ground and it's a little bit blurred from the panning, making for a nice foreground. I was wondering about the fact that some of the birds on the left of the photo are cut, uh, cut off halfway. But I decided to leave them in and not crop them out because that way we can see that this is, this is a larger group um, you know, than just the birds captured if I was to remove the ones that are cut off. And it also gives us the feeling that they're all heading out of the frame. Uh, which I think helps to increase the drama. There's another shot on the site, uh, which is 1243, that I won't include today. Uh, but in that, the birds are not cut off. Uh, you know, we, they're nice clingly in the frame either side. And although I like that one enough to have posted it on my site, I really think that it lacks the drama of this shot with the cut-off birds. So maybe we don't always need to you know, think too much about getting everything cleanly in the frame.
So let's leave it there for today. At the end of my third day, next week we'll go um, into the final day at the bridge and then uh, take a look at the images from that day until 2pm when I had to head for the airport and fly back to Tokyo. Once again, remember that there's still plenty of time to enter the silence assignment to put yourself in a position to win the Low Pro Stealth Reporter D650AW camera bag that will be awarded to the entrant with the most votes after that assignment and the, the one that follows it, that is. Uh, take a look in the assignment form, forum at martinbaileyphotography.com for more details. One other piece of house, housekeeping before we finish. Uh, in the first of this series, I mentioned that the shutter uh, on the viewfinder of the 1DS is to stop light getting into the camera and causing metering faults uh, when your eye is away from the viewfinder and also I said that it's to stop ghosting caused by light entering through the back of the camera during long exposures uh, again when your eye is away from the camera well I received uh, an email from a guy called David Byrne and uh, David was alerting me to the fact that uh, the only uh, use for this now is to stop metering problems. I couldn't find anywhere on the web to confirm this uh, but David assures me that he has it on good source and uh, also I did a few tests of my own with my 5D and sure enough uh, the meet there were metering problems um, I sort of held the camera up to the light in my living room allowing the light to sort of pour in the back through, through the viewfinder and on half pressing and then covering up and then not you know taking my hand away from the viewfinder the exposure was changing as I as I was moving that but then I also tried taking some shots uh, I didn't spend too long literally just a few minutes just doing this but I tried taking some shots as well to see if the light would actually uh, make ghost effects on the images and it didn't there was nothing no problems at all so um, I'm pretty sure that this is good information so thanks very much uh, for forwarding that David uh, it's useful to know that this is no longer an issue. So that's it for this week. Again, a short one. Um, we'll we'll catch catch up again next week, and we'll finish this series off. Uh, but until then, have a great week, whatever you do. Bye bye. Photocastnetwork.com, your photography resource in the potosphere. PhotocastNetwork.com